me. From Studio P in Sausalito, the home of the hit, it's time for... Sucker Time. The number one award-seeking comedy podcast about comedy. Podcast. And here's your host, internationally recognized comedy podcast podcaster, Mark Hershaw. Yes, it's me, Mark Hershon, your host and pre-brush dental rinse for Epi 125 of Suckatash, the comedy podcast podcast. This is another edition of Suckatash Chats, which means no clips. Except for, of course, clips related to our interview. And I'm very excited. Our special guest is Michael Ian Black, and I couldn't be happier. I've been angling to try and get Michael, or Magic as Tom Cavanaugh, his co-host on Mike and Tom Eat Snacks refers to him, on the show pretty much since we started, I think. I told him 2012, but I think from the very beginning I was interested in getting to talk to him. I have to tell you, we won't have a very long interview with Mr. Black for you today, but I am happy to bring you what we've got. I caught up with him on his cell phone on the run doing business in New York, so let's just be thankful I got some kind of time with him in time for this episode and in a form that is pretty easy to hear. There's a, there's a little bit of glitchy. I mean, it's a cell phone. I record it over Skype. It's, uh, you know, love to be in the room with my guests, but that so rarely happens. Anyway, I recently reviewed Michael's podcast, How to Be Amazing, the two-part episode with David Sedaris, which is one of the three ongoing podcasts that he's involved with, including Topics with Michael Showalter and the aforementioned Mike and Tom Eat Snacks. But if you'd like to read that podcast, uh, you can still grab it on uh, Splitsider.com, also up on Huffington Post Entertainment. So look for that. We'll have a clip during the interview uh, from uh, a newer episode. Uh, so that's uh, that's coming up. In addition to our interview with Michael Ian Black, we've got a burst o durst with political comedian and social commentator Will Durst and a dip into the tweet sack. That's right, Tweety, our exclusive segment looking at tweets, emails, and the like. Before we get too deeply into this show, which is brought to you by Henderson's Pants' brand new parachute pants, a couple of things. First of all, I'm really amped up about our upcoming and first recording of a Succotash show in front of a live audience. That's right. Not even here in San Francisco, but in Los Angeles, thanks to friend of Succotash, Sean Merrick. He's arranged to have us take over the Comedy Lab at the Improv in Los Angeles. That's the Improv's main flagship club right there on Melrose Avenue in West Hollywood. On Friday, February 5th, from 6 to 7 p.m., and my special guest will be Dana Carvey, along with his two sons, Dex and Tom. Also, our old friend Rick Overton will join us. But not only that, our booth announcer, Bill Haywatt, is going to make the trek from up here in Marin all the way down to Los Angeles to be with us for that show. Boozing with Bill. Now, I don't think we're going to have time to do a, a live boozing with Bill. That's what I was hoping for. But we don't really have enough time, and it's got a lot of props and stuff like that. But he will be announcing the show, introducing the guests, and reading one or even two live Henderson's Pants commercials. How about that? The Lab at the Improv holds 60 seats. It's going to be a first-come, first-served sort of deal. Tickets are free, but you can't get anything in advance. It's all at the door. So you can get more information at hirsch.co slash succotashlive02 That's the date of the show. Again, that's hirsch.co 
dot co h-e-r-s-h dot co slash succotash live zero two zero five one six you can also find that link at our home site at succotashshow.com this should really be something item number two i just want to thank you for using the amazon banner at the top of succotashshow.com when you shop at amazon that puts a little operating capital right in our pocket And if you want to help out Succotash in a more substantial way, feel free to drop by that same SuccotashShow.com and click on the relaxing blue donate button. Click often and donate a lot. Okay, let's do this thing. We missed our burst of Durst last episode, but Will Durst is back with his predictions for 2016. Hey guys, Will Durst here, wishing you the happiest of New Year's. And while we're at it, how about a few predictions for the upcoming 12 months? After dropping out of the presidential race, Chris Christie will hit the talk show circuit to publicize his celebrity diet book, but be turned down by everyone except a podcaster in Calabasas. Disney enters negotiations to purchase Tibetan Buddhism with the aim of starring a rambunctious little Buddha in his own Saturday morning cartoon. At the next GOP debate, Carly Fiorina smiles so hard, all the other participants on the dais recoil at the sound of enamel cracking. Her face will then freeze like that. In Dallas, Texas, a benefit held to establish the Ethan Couch Affluenza Support Group raises $1. After a heckler at the Masters Tournament shouts from the edge of the 12th green, Give it up, Grandpa! Tiger Woods chases him with a putter, trips, and falls into Ray's Creek. Rents in San Francisco will climb so high, members of the middle class will be forced to inhabit tree houses in Golden Gate Park. No matter who wins the presidency, Bill Clinton will actively campaign to get appointed ambassador to Sweden. Air travel will devolve to the point that certain discount tickets require pedaling. During a stump speech in Concord, New Hampshire, Donald Trump's hat will fly off and his hair will be wind-whipped into the shape of a sail, whisking him airborne into the parking lot of a Montpelier, Vermont public library. The NFL will lobby the Catholic Church to celebrate Mass on Monday mornings in order to not interfere with football. Minnesota Department of Game officials decide not to search for whoever shot the lying-killing dentist, Walter Palmer, with a bow and arrow. And finally, the Chicago Cubs will lose Game 7 of the World Series when a lightning bolt strikes Ben Zobrist 10 feet from home as he attempts to score the tying run. Aw, wait till next year. For Succotash, the comedy podcast podcast, I'm Will Durst. Thanks, Will. Glad to have you back. Hope you enjoyed your week off. You can read more about Will and his writing at willdurst.com. He's also tweeting at Will Durst on the Twit Machine. All right, before we move on, let's move on to this important word from our sponsor. Hello, friends. Bill Haywatt here. Have you ever noticed that once someone gets to the age of 40, they seem to love all things nostalgic? They want to enjoy the comforts of their more stable adult lifestyle, but yearn for the chance to recapture the vigor and carefree nature of their youth. Which is why Henderson's Pants has seized upon the past year's unfortunate streak of airline disasters to launch their newest old product, Henderson's Parachute Pants 2.0. In the 1980s, teenagers got up every morning and pulled on a pair of ripstop nylon pants with more zippers than any garment should ever have. 
But these pants were all bark and no bite, except around the delicate chafing areas. Not so for Henderson's Parachute Pants 2.0. Unlike those earlier versions, these modern upgrades have an actual parachute sewn into each and every pair. No more fretting over falling to a fiery death inside the fractured hull of some discount foreign airline that can't seem to remember to charge the batteries in their black boxes. Now, if the airliner you're aboard finds itself in distress, simply kick your way clear to an exit door, bash that sucker open, and step with confidence out into the wild blue yonder. Now... When you reach the optimum altitude during your free fall, the built-in altimeter warning in your pants will sound... ...which is your cue to unzip, reach in, and yank your ripcord. You'll then float to Earth just as smooth as the silk that just deployed out of your rear end. Originally designed for Chuck Yeager, Evil Knievel, and the White Knucklers Flying Club, Henderson's Parachute Pants 2.0 are available from the same machines at the airport where you can buy flight insurance. That's Henderson's, makers of fine outer garments for your lower extremities since 1834. And now back to Sagadash. Thank you, Bill Haywatt. Once again, Bill will be doing a couple of live Henderson's Pants commercials from our show at the Comedy Lab in Los Angeles next door to the Improv on February 5th. I can't plug this enough. I'm so happy. Uh, So if you're around the Los Angeles area, you'll want to check that out if you can get there in time to get tickets. It's all first come, first serve. It's 6 to 7 p.m. All right, time to jump into my chat with Michael Ian Black. As I said, I wish we had more time, but no worries. We get into it. And I tossed in some clips from his three podcasts, How to Be Amazing, with his guest Felicia Day, Mike and Tom Eat Snacks with Tom Cavanaugh, and Topics with Michael Showalter. So you will hear those clips along the way in this very conversation. Well, first of all, welcome to, uh, to Succotash. I'm sure my listeners will be delighted to hear from you. I'm delighted to be a part of it. We uh, just played a clip, actually, from your David Sedaris uh, interview on our most recent episode. And uh, I was personally delighted to hear the, uh, that uh, there was a new uh, Mike and Tom Eat Snacks episode finally available. There is. I was sorry to hear that you were unable to, well, I'm not going to give, I'm not going to give it away how, how the show turned out, but it was very exciting. <laughs> You're uh, kind of a, uh, a get for me in that I think uh, I've been trying to figure out how to get you on the show since 2012, I believe. I think I made a resolution to my listeners then, um, because uh, you're you're quite a figure in in the podcast world, let alone comedy sketch and whatnot. But uh, just wanted to talk to you about how um, how you're able to sort of juggle the several shows you have going on. I know they don't sort of come out all at the same time, but uh, what is that like for you as a challenge? Well, the challenge isn't so much with podcasting, which takes up relatively little of my time, but um, everything else. So I'm on a bunch of TV shows and write books and, you know, there's just all a tour and there's just stuff that gets in the way of um, making podcasts and, and uh, the podcasts themselves are actually the least of it. Maybe one of the attractions of the medium is, is the fact that be, because they're not you know, released on a regular basis, like a TV show has to come out the same day of the week, the same time you can kind of get to them when you, when you can, is, is that something that, that makes them fun for you to do? 
Well, yeah, and and the fact that there's no pressure. I mean, I'm not, you know, in the case of Mike and Tommy Snacks, we're not beholden to anybody. So, um, you know, nobody's losing money if we don't put them out. So we don't feel too terrible. Um, And for us, it's more or less an excuse to just get together and hang out. I mean, we got to start with the chip. Of course. Duh. But I tell you, I've rarely felt anticipation that I feel currently headed toward the bacon cheddar fries. Not so much the pork skins. I'm dreading the pork skins, which is why we're saving them for last. Yeah. All right. So I've now opened a bag of Tom's vinegar and salt. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Potato okay. chip. Oh. And, uh, you know, first appearances, potato chip. Yeah. You know, you're gonna, it's your classic. Well, a little stale. Um, How long were these in your luggage? Um, uh, Because they taste like gym clothes to me. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Well, I shot the movie this summer. They've been sitting in your luggage since this summer? No, I took them out of the luggage. But as you know... We, you've been doing, you've been Hollywood's golden boy. Uh, yeah. We haven't been able to do. There's no make. question that I am Hollywood's golden boy. My only question to you is, how long were these sitting in a bag full of damp gym clothes? Well, they weren't. Because um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I'm judging these fairly. They taste like gym clothes. I know you often have gym clothes. In fairness. In fairness to who? They've been sitting a while. <laughs> but I don't think they've been surrounded by gym clothes. I don't think we can, I can give a viable rating, though, because they're stale. They are definitely stale. Best before Look, July 4th, 2015. That's probably why so they're we're, stale. We're, we're recording this on uh, December 28th. Seven, the holiday season. December 2015. 8th. So seven, uh, you know, five months after the expiration date. <laughs> so good for us. <laughs> oh. Terrible, right? Terrible. Yeah, but that's not their fault. I don't know. We don't know. This is going to be... This is going to be... This might be... Uh, uh, Inedible. A DQ. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you might end up not being having to rate them. But here's the thing. I just want to get to the baby cheddar fries. Yeah. That's also, by the way. Oh, wait. No, June. Tw- no, no. Ju- what? June 2015. Yeah. So, I, for a second, I thought 2020. I was like, yeah, we're good. Oh, no, no, no. This is six months after the expiration date. <laughs> in fairness to me. Uh-huh. I know for a fact I was shooting this movie in July. So... Oh, so they were already selling them. They're already like, yeah, we don't care. No one's going to buy these. No, it does say, wait. That says June. But it says, this is confusing. It's, oh, June 20th, 2015. Right, right. In the case of How to Be Amazing, which is my interview podcast, we try to release them one every two weeks. Uh, and that one is a little bit more regimented because we have advertisers and we're working with PRX, and so we're, we're, we're trying to make sure that we honor our commitment to them. Now, how did How to Be Amazing uh, come about? You, it seems as if you're a, a bit of an inveterate reader to begin with. Is that what, what drew you to it? No, uh, no I wouldn't say that. Um, what drew me to it is a desire to do something a little more earnest than just a comedy podcast and also uh, a curiosity about um, other people's creative processes. Uh, and it, 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 it happens that the people who um, are both interesting to talk to a lot of them and as well as um, 
willing to talk because they're promoting something tend to be authors, not exclusively by any means, but a lot of a lot of them tend to be authors. And so we've had a lot of authors on, but I do read a lot. Yeah. Um, and uh, do you have a favorite guest that you've had on to this point uh, with that particular show? Not really. I mean, so many of them have been really fascinating for me. Uh, you mentioned the David Sedaris one and Elizabeth Gilbert, and we talked to an astronaut, uh, Mike Massimoto. Uh, I just interviewed Audrey McDonald, who was great. I mean, there's just a, there's just a ton of really interesting people. Lin Manuel Miranda was great. You know, it's just I, I'm yeah. I, I I think I take away something different from all of them. I mean, I, I jumped from this weird bubble to college where you excel based on how hard you work and how good you are. Um, you get straight A's, which I, you know, is very, very firmly ensconced in my A's. And then I go to Hollywood, doop de doo I'm going to be famous. Look at me. I'm sitting on the corner. Why am I not discovered? Right. And then I realized it's not a merit-based society, Hollywood. It's not, um, hey, you're definitely working the hardest. You get ahead. It's just not what it is. And um, because you're judged on your external appearances quite a bit and the, your first impression when you walk through the door is what you look like, a lot of the times I felt like I was pigeonholed instantly in something that I didn't feel like on the inside. I even had a cast director one time say, you know, your insides don't match your outsides. That's a very big criticism. <laughs> what does that even mean? I didn't know, but I didn't get the job. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I, I felt the pressure to conform to what people saw in me, which was this oddball kind of character actor that didn't really have any emotional arc at all that would flavor the, the landscape in a, in a very insignificant way because I just wasn't. Um, attractive enough or uh, bland enough to, to associate with <laughs> romantically or uh, emotionally. So I felt very uh, marginalized. And the, the harder I worked to fit in, the more I sort of uh, made a cliche of myself that I kind of started hating. And uh, that's what drove me into video game addiction. And then I got out of that and, and wrote a story about that. So. And I want to, I want to talk about that, but I, I, I do want to backtrack just a smidge though, um, because I feel like we sort of glossed over the double major in specifically violin or music, violin performance. Okay. Violin performance and math mathematics. Yeah. Um, which, uh, obviously the two are related in a lot of ways and, and sort of unrelated in other ways, but nowhere sort of in, in the conversation from feral child to mathematic mathematics, mathematician, mathematician, mm -hmm. Uh, and violinist, uh, is, is this acting, the idea of acting. And I wonder why abandon mathematics and, and violin performance, why abandon it for Hollywood, which seems so kind of, I don't know. Trivial. You have a look on your face that you just don't know why. I mean, I guess I feel like, I guess, I mean, cause I'm thinking to myself, if I had loved mathematics enough to pursue it as a, as a major, would I just sort of say, um, thanks, math, but I'm going to go be an actor now? I I always did theater when I was growing up. My aunt was an actor, and she uh, was a musical theater actress. And she instilled in me early on, uh, she made me audition for plays. And as I moved around, my dad was in the military. That was one of the reasons why I was homeschooled, because we moved so often. Uh, the one thread that was common in my life was technology and doing really small, lame community theater. Mm -hmm. So I played like the orphan in Oliver like four times. I was a prostitute in Sweet Charity three times, you know, <laughs> always very tangential, you know, before the age of 14 prostitution, but that's a very great musical. So 
The minute you walked in the joint, I could see you were a man of distinction, a real big spender. Good looking, so refined. Um, you do a, a, a number of different things. It's uh, you, a lot of plates in the air. Is, is there anything in particular that you really like to focus your time on, or are you just happy to sort of be working on creative projects? I feel like I'm happy just working on different stuff as I go. There's nothing I feel like, there's nothing I feel like I want to be doing that I'm not doing. And what's nice is because I'm doing a lot of different things, I don't get sick of any of them. Um, it might be better for me overall if I could focus my energies on one thing, but I, 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 I find I get bored if I'm just sort of doing the same thing over and over again. Yeah. Do you, do you find you have a, a particular part of your skill set that informs the work that you do for, I, I, I have a big background in improv, for instance, so that tends to sort of drive a lot of the projects that I work on. Is there, there are parts of your uh, either creative makeup or your educational background that drives things for you? The only thing I would look to, I guess, is uh, m- most of it has a kind of writing basis um, in one form or another even the podcast where I'm interviewing people. Um, I tend to be talking to a lot of writers. I do a lot of, I do the same kind of research that you would do if you were writing about somebody um, to to talk to them. I feel like everything for me kind of comes from the written word uh, and goes from there. What's it like, and sorry to be sort of scattershotting here as we sort of go through this, but uh, there's just a, a number of things you're involved with that uh, I want to make sure I get to it all. What's it like to revisit a project like uh, uh, Wet Hot American Summer after after being away from uh, the, the project itself for a decade? Uh, well, that was just uh, fun. I mean, it was just a goofy thing to do, and... Uh, no more or less than that. I mean, it was just really fun to, to hang out with everybody and, and put on short shorts and run around a summer camp. I mean, <laughs> I, my, my investment in it is, uh, minimal in terms of my time commitment. Um, I don't have the same pressures on it that I do if I, if I wrote it, which I didn't. Um, so for me, it was no, it was just a lark. Mm-hmm. You and I actually uh, uh, share a title in common. I think I may have brought this to your attention a few years ago. but Pontiff? Uh, is it Pontiff? <laughs> it is actually uh, Pontiff. Uh, oh, great. Uh, I prefer just to use the, the Monsignor because I'm don't. i just less <laughs> ostentatious. <laughs> okay. But, but uh, we both wrote, and you actually happened to direct a movie called uh, Wedding Days. Oh, that's right, yeah. Yeah, yours was uh, a feature film and mine was a a uh, Hallmark Channel movie, but but they were both called Wedding Days, so we share that in common. Um, mm-hmm. When you've done a lot of writing, what's it like for you to be able to actually direct something that you've written? Because uh, normally, of course, when you're writing a screenplay, that sort of thing, you never seem to be able to kind of take control of something like that, but in that case, you did. I did, and uh, I found that I uh, both didn't really like it and wasn't very good at it. Mm. Uh, it was so many of the things that I don't like doing that I had to do all the time. 
life, riding around in vans, looking for locations and talking to people all day and um, being cold and working long hours. And, uh, and I just, I, I felt like I wasn't uh, the best advocate for my own material in a weird way. I wasn't serving, serving it as well as um, maybe somebody else could have done. It doesn't mean I won't direct again. I think I probably will. Um, but, uh, it was, it was tough for me. I just, I, I didn't, it, it wasn't the kind of natural fit for me that I thought it would be. Interesting. So, but, but as you say, you, you, you plan that maybe one day you will, uh, return to the director's chair. I think so. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, going through that and getting that experience, uh, is probably very helpful as well as uh, getting a little older. I think is probably very helpful in preparing for the next time out. Now, would you consider directing someone else's property as opposed to your own script? Uh, I guess I would if the right thing came along and somebody wanted me to do it. Um, but that, that, at the moment, that's not my intention. What do we know about the unknown? Hmm. Like, ju- let's just lay out some groundwork. What, yes. what, let's, let, let's, let's put – imagine that we're uh, – putting objects on a table, what are the things that we can say we know for sure about the unknown? Well, you know, it, 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 the first object I'm putting on the table is a big, uh, a big fistful of nothing mm-hmm. because the unknown to me, once I name it, once I can hold it in my hand, once I can see its structure, once I can sense its being. It's known. It's known. Now, what we know about the unknown, of course, is that the unknown is, which is to say, we know there are things we do not know. Well, let me ask you this. What, what could be a framework for us to possibly have a conversation about something we know nothing about? Mm. What? Does that make sense? I mean, can you frame this discourse in some way so that 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 there's some way for us to even attack this subject that w- about which we, by definition, do not know know. No, know nothing about? Obliquely, yes. Obliquely, we can do this. Yes, of course. Re- refractorily, I think we can. Yes, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we can erect a kind of. Uh, a scaffolding upon upon which to surround the unknown and even though we can't peer inside because no light escapes from it much like a black hole we can see uh the boundaries of what is known of course we can walk up to the edge of the unknown and we can peer over and what we see of course is just an inky blackness an inky blackness that stretches into infinity because we cannot know not only what is unknown but how much is unknown well it really gets to the heart of the matter, doesn't it? Which is, I'm going to go to the oldest sort of uh, question, uh, Zen question out which there. Came which first, is, the chicken or the egg? Well, there's that, and I was also thinking, what's the um, oldest profession? The hooker. Well, I was it, that. These are all good ones, and I was thinking, um, if a if a tree falls in the woods, did it make sound? Yes, I mean, if I, 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 if no, I hear the no, tree, it clearly no. made us... Uh, yes, yes. Caught <laughs> me in a... I catch you red-handed? <laughs> caught me in a flub, Michael.
think you you tend to probably do TV more than other mediums. Is, is that uh-huh. just that's where the work is? Uh, would you pr- more or less? That's yeah. why. Yeah, I mean, it's just that's just kind of where the work is for me, and uh, so that's I know the world a little bit better than say film. So I'm able to, I think, navigate that world a little bit easier uh, than I can in the film world. Uh, and people just seem to want to hire me for TV more than they want to hire me for film. Do you still have people clamoring to see if you'll reprise your role as the the uh, gay demon you played in Reaper? Just curious. Not so much. No? Not so much. I, I clamor would be a very strong word for... <laughs> for the interest that people seem to have in that. <laughs> and uh, I also uh, enjoyed your uh, your campaign to become the uh, Taco Bell spokesman uh, on, right. t- on Twitter, which was, uh, I'm sorry, that, that didn't quite come out as you were probably hoping, but uh, uh, did you actually ever well, get their attention? I got the person who maintains their Twitter feed's attention, <laughs> which is probably some 21-year-old intern. Uh, it was a self-generated campaign to become the Taco Bell spokesperson because I like Taco Bell and thought I would be good at the job. They were not looking for a spokesperson. <laughs> but 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 if offered, would you would you accept? At this, I would. I love Taco Bell at this point. Now, Taco. Interestingly enough, I I don't believe, and I haven't caught every episode, but have have you and Tom ever actually tackled a Taco Bell product or products in? Mike and Tommy get snacks. No, and I don't think we've tackled any fast food. Um, mm. uh, Taco Bell does not serve a lot of what I would call snacks. They serve meals. Uh, the only snack of theirs that I can think of is they have these sort of twisty cinnamon crispy things. Yeah. Uh, but it, but a taco is not a snack to my mind. I sh- I should have known better than to get into a a conversation about snacks with you. I mean, it's like bringing a knife to a gunfight, and I apologize. That's right. You, you're, you're really not qualified to have this conversation. <laughs> I, I'm sorry about that. Um, but I, I'm, I keep trying to get my, my snack chops up, and uh, one, right. day, one day, one day, one um, day. You'll get there. Do you ever get a chance? You seem incredibly busy, so I, I'm going to assume that the answer is likely no, but do you ever get a chance to listen to podcasts? Um, very rarely. And honestly, it's mostly because uh, I don't have the discipline to just, uh, I don't listen to that many things. I don't do a lot of listening uh, in terms of like audio entertainment. The only time I really listen is when I'm in my car, which I am somewhat regularly, but I don't have a car that allows me to easily uh, connect my iPhone. Ah. Uh, and there, and therefore, to easily listen to podcasts. That makes sense. That makes sense. Um, is there uh, anything that uh, that's coming up that uh, fans of yours should uh, be on the lookout for that we haven't maybe heard about? Well, I wrote a new book, and so I'm I'm just trying to, to sell the goddamn book. <laughs> What's called, it? It's called Naval Gazing: True Tales of Bodies, Mostly Mine but also my mom's, which I know sounds weird. That is the full name of the book. <laughs> what is the, uh, for you, what is the, the writing process like in terms of being able to really sort of express yourself? I mean, do you have to tangle with an editor or are you sort of um, having free reign to, to go, go as you like on, on the things you've put out? 
I have pretty free reign. Um, you know, my editors will make suggestions and uh, I generally take them because they're good editors. But, uh, but it, no, I, I would say I have free reign and like, I can kind of do what I want. Um, so that's been good. It's, it, I, I, write, book writing is, is one of the places where I feel like I probably have the most freedom. Is it the most time-consuming of, of the endeavors? Not on a day-to-day basis, but, but it's on a macro basis it kind of is because I'll spend a couple of years working on something. Um, and, uh, but, it, but it's not like it's eight hours a day. I, I can't write eight hours a day. I don't know that many people who can. So it's, it's a little bit at a time, and, and, it, and it comes in fits and starts, and it's, it's very, very hard. Yeah. Um, when you were growing up, what, uh, I mean, were you always sort of drawn towards, uh, creative endeavors, performing arts, writing, things like that? Uh, or were there other? I guess so. Yeah. yeah. I didn't really have, uh, I, I don't really think I had any other interests. So yeah, looking back, I was, I was always writing and always, uh, I knew I wanted to be a performer at an early age and, and I didn't really recognize that I had been writing a lot as a kid until later. And is it is it tricky balancing family with uh, with your workload? It can be. Um, I think every parent deals with this. Um, they're, they're, it's it's hard. It's hot up there for a pimp, and so you <laughs> you do what you can. I mean, I'm lucky. I'm luckier than a lot of parents because a lot of times I'm away. Um, and I might be gone for a week or two at a time, but, but, but when I'm home, I can, I, I, I'm home for like a week or two at a time. So I can, I can be really present. Um, but yeah, it, it, it can be really hard. I mean, my kids are older now. They don't really give a shit whether I'm there or not, <laughs> Sure. but I care. <laughs> well, that's good. Um, any, uh, any words of advice? I mean, you do do several podcasts and, uh, uh, majority, not a majority, but a large number of uh, the Succotash listeners are, are podcasters, some that have been doing it for a while, some that are quite new. Any uh, words of advice for uh, podcasters starting out in terms of either a way to make it easier or something they should be sure to be paying attention to? Um, I guess my only advice is just uh, be true to yourself and just do whatever it is that you find interesting and hopefully it uh, other people will agree, but don't try to pander to any audience that you think might be out there. I think that's I think that's wise. Uh, it's it's probably the, the reason so many podcasts have come and gone is people go, oh, that sounds like a fun thing to try, and they don't even know really what they're out there to talk about, and pretty soon right. they sort of lose the the drive and the interest. Yes, I think that's probably right, Michael. I want to thank you for for your time and visiting with us on Succotash. My pleasure. Uh, best of luck with uh, uh, your many podcasts and all the other projects you have coming up. And uh, well, thanks so much. We'll look for you in podcast land. Thank you. Take care. Thanks. You too. Bye-bye. Thanks again to Michael Ian Black. Appreciate him taking the time. You can find him at michaelianblack.org, as well as on the websites for his various podcasts, How to Be Amazing, Topics, and Mike and Tom Eat Snacks. Also, don't forget to check out his new book, Naval Gazing, True Tales of Bodies, Mostly Mine, But Also My Mom's, which I know sounds weird. I thought he was joking when he said that during the interview, but that's actually the title of the book, In Toto.
All right. It's time when we take a deep breath and dive into the tweet sack to see if we have any tweets and emails to respond to since our last episode. Let's see. I got a direct message on Twitter from Lainey Spicer, who says, quote, Hello, I wanted to know if you'd be interested in having a client of mine who hosts a podcast on all things comedy called The SDR Show. His name is Ralph Sutton. He's a radio personality, and he co-hosts the show with comedian Big J. Okerson. He's big on sound quality, too. Must know that I like that. Hmm. You can hear the podcast at uh, www.thesdrshow.com. Unquote. Thanks, Laney. We'll check that out and uh, most possibly have a clip from the SDR show on an upcoming uh, uh, episode of our show. How about that? We heard from a friend, Paul Mercurio, from his new Two Chairs and One Microphone podcast. He says, quote, thanks for listening to my podcast with Adam McKay, also known as at Ghost Panther on Twitter. He was fantastic on it. Unquote. Absolutely, Paul. Great show. And it's not available on iTunes. Two chairs and one microphone. So if you're poking around there for it, forget about it. You got to go up to paulmercurio.com or adamcarolla.com to get a listen. Uh, so that's a subscription deal. Good luck with that, Paul. It seems to be old style podcasting at its finest, uh, but uh, I don't know. Maybe they're making some money. Maybe we should do that. Hmm. We started following the Hadron Gospel Hour podcast this past week, to which we got the response, quote, Thanks for the follow, you doth rock most spectacularly. Spectacularly. Why can't I say that word? I don't know. Anyway, you got it. That's Hadron Gospel Hour podcast. Probably have a clip coming up in the next, uh, I don't know, a few clip shows. Got to check it out. I got a DM on Twitter from Dangerous D also known as at Darren Malfi, asking, Hey, hey, how can I be a guest on the show? I've been digging it and would love to work together! Exclamation point, three question marks, unquote. I checked Dangerous D out, and he had a web show on a while back, but he's not currently podcasting or anything like that. Some kind of live performer for sure, uh, though, so I pinged him back. We're talking about having him come on as maybe uh, co-hosting a Succotash clip show with me. I've not that done that for a while. I usually do it with people I know, but uh might be kind of fun to have some unknown element in here to mix it up. So uh, I'll check a little bit de- deeper into Dangerous D and see what's going on there. I had a number of other bits and pieces of communication over the interweb since last we met, but they weren't anything of interest except maybe between the persona who sent it in and me. So let's get to our shout-out to those folks kind enough to tweet retweet, favorite, like, mention, or otherwise include Succotash in their social media lives in the past week or so, starting now. Razzle, Aventerprise, Davian Dent, Zachary Davis, Salty Language Pod, Hold the Mayo Fan, Jeffrey Welchman, Strange Times, Gormless Mook, Angus Doodle, What a Pair of Trousers, Jamie DeWolf, Corky Knievel, Laurel Waits, Hal Lublin, which reminds me, I just did an interview with Hal and his partner in de- in deciding the fate of mankind, Mark Gagliardi, when they were in this last weekend for SF Sketchfest. So that was a fun interview. I'll be bringing that up on the very next Succotash Chats edition. We continue. Supdoc, Hopeless Dreamer, DJSL22, Wingfield Mosier, Anarchic Audio, George Grimwood, Jesse Fernandez, Adam Opal, Mike Jolit Show, John Dredge, Dredgeland Radio, Brian Flaherty, River City Rant, Victrola, Dan Seitman, Vance Sanders, Lilith Valencia, Ye Not Guilt, Jesse Rothenberg, Two Girls, One Cut, Comedy Pipe, 
Unadulterated BS, Caution Wet Floors Podcast, Joe Trackman, Tiger and Socko Jones, Buffet Kings, Biggie's Comedy, Podcast Booster Bot, The Cure, Rel, Hob the Troll, The Mo Show, Royal and Doodle, Afterburn 739, They Say Ray L. Stage, Podcast Junkies, Barry Mitchell, Potter and Family, Highly Recommended, EMA Hip Hop Podcast, Clement Lyles, Mapavri RT, Body Boys, One Wavy 7, The Mr. BS Show, The Podcast Digest, Clint Thiel, Changes in Latitudes, Basketball Bedding, Michael Jastroch, Eight-Sided Films, Ice and the Face, The Pitch, Dirty Bit Podcast, Pod Underground, DAPF Pod Neal, DAPF Pod Annalise, Travis Clark, Drusilla Henry, Podcast Rob, Broken Filter Live Show, The Selling, Paula Pell, Dennis McCalmont, Awesome Talk, Odd G Productions, George Chen, Crown Jewels, Zuri Star, Raining Lunatic, David G. Johnson, Mondo Player, Nathan Blackburn, Comatose Podcast, Provocalit Podcast, Jeff Tate, Now That I'm Older, Abner Surd, Hamster Pamphlet, Erica Filing, The Pick Sports Pod, Quadcast Courtney, Jelly Vision Live, Morandir Drogmore, John Medina, Constant Struggle Pod, Podcast Booster Bot, wait a minute, that's the second time I mentioned those guys, Danny Carr, Full of Fiber Pod, Robo-like, Jabs of the D-Head Factor, Sean Chesterfield, Reasons Are Several, Britta Bordeaux, Logan Leistakow, Jordan Brady, Kevin Scalier, Angelic Altazar, Alteaser, Cogren Systems, Trevin Ben, Podcast 44, The TV Addicts, and Illusionoid. All right, that's going to do it for this Epi 125. Thanks again to Michael Ian Black for being our special guest. Thank you for being our special listener. Remember that we're going to be at the uh, the Comedy Lab next to the Improv in Los Angeles on February 5th from 6 to 7 p.m. Uh, more information at SuccotashShow.com, or at least a link that you can click through to get more information about that. Tickets will be free, and it will be first come, first serve. Next time, we'll be back with uh, a Succotash Clips episode for Epi 126. And in the meantime, please remember to pass the damn Succotash. Goodbye. You've been listening to Succotash, the comedy podcast podcast with your host, Mark Hershon. Brought to you by Henderson's Pants and... Imagine your company's name right here. Find us on the web at SuccotashShow.com, on iTunes, on Stitcher Smart Radio, and on SoundCloud. You can also hear us streaming and like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Succotash Show. Email us at marc at SuccotashShow.com. Or call into the Succotash hotline at our non-toll-free call number, 818-921-7212. Succotash is produced and engineered with the kind assistance of Joe Paulino through the auspices of Studio P. Sausalito, home of the hit. Our associate producer is Tyson Saner. Our musical director is Scott Carvey. Our booth assistant is Kenny Durges. Until next time, I am your loyal booth announcer, Bill Haywatt, reminding you to please pass the succotash. Goodbye. Goodbye.
Hello. Hi, I'm calling for Michael Ian Black. Uh, Michael Sanholm, I think about it. I have a cell phone number for him. Should I try that? Yeah, he's in the city. Okay, thank you. Okay, thanks. Bye.